Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we fight each other, make each other feel bad, and you get to watch. (laughs) This week we are talking about Action Comics number 775, because let's be frank, we read a big thing last week, so we read a single issue, the bare minimum of comic booking. Was it a big thing? Was that what we did? How many pages was it? Like five? It was definitely like seven pages. At least. And they it was easy breezy. It was like one of those middle bits of the Tom King oh, yeah. Batman run. Or yeah. it was like a three-minute read. Exactly. It's just five pages times a hundred. So, like, really? Did we read anything at all? It's simple. It's simply simple. math, you fools. Um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our From Hell episode, that might be the only intelligent episode of the show we ever have. So, if that's your thing, go back. If you are ready for superheroes and stupidity stick around for this episode because we're about to be proper wankers if we mention the patriarchy at all in this episode i'll be surprised i mean everyone in this story is objectively a good person with no commentary on the real oh yeah world, Ob- so. objectively yeah um they kept manchester- they kept the politics out of this comic book oh yeah just for None us at all. manchester black's my homie he well, he is fifteen percent of whatever you need him to be. <laughs> he is fifteen percent my homie. Fifteen percent my homie. On his I, mother's side. I saw this thing where someone was like, Manchester Pat Black confirmed bisexual in Superman and the Authority. I was like, I think you misread Superman and the Authority. Yeah, someone did because they've already added it to the wiki. I'm like, you need to chill. It's like as much as excited as we are about representation, let's uh, let's take a look at what Manchester's saying here. Let's not be too eager to claim bad representation. <laughs> Oof. How um, starved we are. Yeah, we're willing to accept Manchester Black when he makes an off-color joke. Uh, <sighs> what a guy. What All a right. guy. And do you want to introduce your pick for us this month? Yes, I would love to. This month... This month, this week, it's been a month. That's what it feels like since the last issue. Um, yeah, for this week, we did a little double double feature. We did Action Comics number 775, What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way, which he doesn't say anymore. So that's kind of cool. That's what's funny about it. And um, we also covered the movie. We're also going to cover the movie adaptation, Superman versus the Elite, which came out in, I believe, 2006. One second. Or was they, it? They have smartphones. So I, 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 you, I'm, I'm pulling it up. I think it's. Hold up. Give me a year. Give me 2012. So much more recently than I thought. Never mind. <laughs> and that was starring um, George Newbern and. Polly Perrette, Robin Downs, Katero Colbert, Melissa Disney, and Andrew Kishino. And arguably my favorite rendition of Lois Lane that I've seen that was in a so- very long time. Such a good Lois Lane. <laughs> we'll get to all that, though. We'll get to all that. But for um, anyone who perhaps hasn't read the book or hasn't watched the movie, this story is basically questioning superman at his most basic level which is his morality and when is it okay for a hero to kill and is it ever okay for a hero like superman to kill and he is challenged in this way when we are introduced to this new team called the elite which starts to take off it's a team very much anti-superman and in fact dc comics on their page talking about the elite actually describes them or talking about um, the authority, which the elite are based off of, describes them as the anti-justice league. And I think the elite here, the way they're represented, definitely feels like that to a T. And it's this very powerful group that, unlike Superman, has no problem killing the baddies. And it seems like the whole world kind of wants that and is pretty down for it. They're like, okay, murder, I'm here for it. Let's go. Let's Let's kick some ass. And Superman has to deal with the fact, like, Am I an outdated principle? Is it really better if we just, you know, take care of business when it needs to get taken care of? And it brings up all these interesting moral dilemmas that the hero has to solve. And I think he solves it in a very, very interesting way at the end of the story. 
when he shows them just how terrifying it would be if Superman acted the way everyone supposedly thinks they want Superman to act. So I, I, I love this story. This is one of my all-time favorite issues of all time. And this is also coincidentally one of my favorite comic book movies of all time, animated or live action. It's easily, I think, top tier DC animated stuff. And reading the issue again, it's actually really interesting because I thought there were things the movie actually did better than the issue. I don't think it did everything better than the issue, but you never get that in a DC animated movie where they're like, oh, the movie was actually a little bit better than the book in some ways. That never happens. It's always like, this is subpar for, you know, everything. <laughs> but I actually thought Superman versus the Elite was a fun, fun movie. And captures the spirit of the comic very very well there was some controversy around it which i will bring up a little later in how the ending is portrayed but i honestly think it just comes down to interpretation so dallas this is your first time going through it what do you think what should superheroes be allowed to kill and has your position on that changed at all Ooh, see if you had asked dallas when he was 16 years old mm -hmm. and one of my greatest shames is that when i saw the man of steel steel trailer I said out loud to my friend, man, I don't know. Superman's kind of boring. Oh. If, I was like, but if they do what the original comics did, which I hadn't read, by the way. This was just me completely <laughs> shooting from the hip based on something I read on the internet. And they let Superman kill the bad guys, then that might might make it cool. And so when Superman killed Zod at the end of Man of Steel... I remember, like, not actually liking it much, but feeling I had to stick to my guns. I was like, yep, that was that was the ending I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, so that kid was an idiot. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, I, I really liked this book because I thought that it was a very fun retelling of the sort of kingdom come uh, paradigm, right? The purpose of Alex Ross's Kingdom Come is that characters had gotten too extreme in the 90s and Superman was outdated, but then Superman comes mm -hmm. back and is no longer outdated. So Action 775 is a, a really condensed and written mm -hmm. for the early 2000s version of that that I liked because I, I'm one of those knackers that really, really likes that first 12 issues of The Authority. Mm -hmm. And so to see that book was infinitely influential and changed superhero comics a lot to make heroes more like the authority. So to see this comic and especially to use Superman, the first superhero as the antithesis of that movement mm -hmm. was, was pretty special. And it was the kind of thing that every single page I wanted to screenshot and be like this, this is the core of the character. This is what makes Superman great. <laughs> so it was a phenomenal single issue of comic books. Awesome. Out of curiosity, which one do you think did that story better? Do you think Kingdom Kingdom Come did it better? Or do you think this did it better? Frankly, I need to reread Kingdom Come because oh, I cop read out. It. Oh, so quick, so quick with the cop so out. So quick with the cop out. No, I was going to suggest it for the show soon, honestly, because again, I it was one of the first comics I read. Yeah. There was this fun thing where I looked up like best comic books ever. And turns out most of those are critiques of comic books and superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I read all of those as my first comics. And so I read them all like, huh, comics are interesting. And now whenever I go back and read one of them with this big backlog in my brain now, I'm mm -hmm. like, huh, I can see why this is one of the best comics of all time. Right. And I think Kingdom Come falls in that category for me a little bit. I mostly read it and was like, wow, this is really cool. But like, I didn't get that. Mangog was Cable, right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand <laughs> that this was a big commentary on the 90s of comics. And so my gut says Kingdom Come because Alex Ross is an artist god and mm -hmm. it's a fun story. But like, I can't deny the succinct nature of being able to convey this story in one issue made What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, in the American Way a new favorite of mine. And I think that it's that same concept written to our generation a little bit, if not our gener a little bit older than our generation, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone could look at this and accuse it of being old-fashioned, which right. I really liked. Yeah, it definitely feels 
<laughs> topical still. Because we still see online in our spheres just people debating all the time over whether or not Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman should kill. It feels like every week they they take turns. They take turns up at bat, and we always have the same debates with the same people saying, oh, we'd never have to worry about these characters again if Joker just killed or Batman would just kill Joker, or Superman would just kill Lex Luthor, then we wouldn't have to deal with this. I'm like, do you want stories, or do you not want stories? I know, that's always my thing. I was like, so you want to solve the central conceit. All right. Um, I don't think you know how storytelling works, friends. Yeah, and it's the thing with superheroes killing, specifically, like, superheroes who've made it part of their mantra not to, like Batman and Superman, is <clears throat> the way they stand, and the iconography of them and the way they've you know they mythologize themselves in our in our like um daily daily lives in our own pop culture i think it's important for heroes like this not to kill because they're supposed to be those ideals of what we should strive towards whether it's like not nonsensical or not i don't think that's the point i think the point is even if you feel like you know it's beyond our reach that that's what we should be striving towards something better than what we think is right you know if that makes I, I feel like I kind of stumbled there at the end, but it's the the ideal of we need to be better towards other people and that other people can be better in return. And I think that the idea of not killing people, maybe giving them a chance for redemption is one of the core messages that a character, especially like Superman gives, because it's just a character who isn't human, who believes in the best of us at all times, even though he constantly sees the worst. Yeah. Um, I think it's so interesting that the DC film adaptations are the ones that have chose to make their characters more like dark and gritty. Mm -hmm. And they're moving out of that for sure. But for me, the whole point of Marvel Comics has always been this is the story right outside your window. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Bless me. Bless me. <laughs> I just sneezed at my own bullshit. Um, <laughs> Allergic to my own bullshit. Allergic to my own bullshit. But uh, Marvel Comics, to me, are the ones where the characters seem to have issues and moral quandaries. And they're more of like a mirror to us. Mm -hmm. Whereas DC introduces a new pantheon of gods that are aspirational. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not like Superman, but I want to be. That's why I read Superman comics. Exactly. I am do feel like I am like Peter Parker and that's why I like reading his comics, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that Joe Kelly in writing this issue of Superman really understood well the idea of Superman as aspiration. Mm -hmm. And during this era of comics, the early 2000s, it's very clear that there's a desire to get back to the iconography of the Silver Age superhero with Grant Morrison's JLA there it is, everyone. There's Grant Morrison's first mention in this episode. <laughs> it's going to come. It's going to come every single episode. It, they are, in my brain, rent-free at all times. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll work in Neil Gaiman at some point. I'm in the death costume proto right now, so it'll happen. Perfect. If we say both their names enough, Alan Moore will appear. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we didn't want you. We didn't want you. We wanted your offspring. And he's like, electric boogaloo, and disappears. <laughs> if, we his, had, his if we had Alan Moore on this podcast, we would easily be the tallest podcast Oh, oh we would, but we would be so outclassed. Like, goddamn. <laughs> I would, like, okay, I've talked to Kelly Thompson now. I've talked to N.K. Jemison. Alan Moore would scare me shitless. He's on the list of authors who would still scare me shitless to talk to. <laughs> I think my list of authors I don't think I could interview very well is probably mm -hmm. Alan Moore. And I think I'd be too much of a fanboy to talk to Grant Morrison right now. I think I need to read a couple of their bad works and then mm -hmm. I could interview them. <laughs> it's like, hold up. I like you too much. Let me let me bring down the tone a little bit. Let me, let's bring down bit. the temperature. They have this whole story in Super Gods about the difference between fans of their comics and then comic fans mm -hmm. they were like when i would get into interactions with people that their whole life was reading comic books and checking continuity grant was like it was unbearable 
I could not stand. Yeah. <laughs> these people sweating on me. It's, it's like, word. Yeah. No, it's funny. I always love it when someone like throws something at a writer. It's like, well, in this issue, they did this. It's like, it, writers don't know it all. They don't know content. No one knows all this continuity. There's 80 years of shit that people have to shovel through. No, we don't know what Wonder Woman did with this person back in the 40s, and that's okay. We yeah. don't have to talk about it. Yeah, comic fans are an interesting bunch, myself included, honestly. Oh yeah, yep. Not, My... <laughs> we are not excluded from that. We are our own brand of weird. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, this, the idea that Morrison's JLA and The Authority came out at roughly the same time, a, like, five-year difference, right, mm -hmm. is fascinating to me. Yeah. Because they're both such different takes on what a superhero should be. I think JLA is responsible for the sort of, like, dad comics movement mm -hmm. that brought back a lot of soulless... Um, retreadings of the Silver Age and the authority brought in a really cynical um, take on what a, what a superhero should be for the future, right? And this issue and this story, Superman versus the Elite seems to be the synthesis of those two competing ideas that existed in comics at the same time. Yeah, and it seems to be like DC Comics taking a stand on what they want, but then we see over the years it kind of wavers a little bit. We go to the New 52 where things do take that grittier, more cynical tone for a long time. And it's like, this this is a battle that has consistently been happening within this own publisher since the 90s. And I'm not sure if anyone else has noticed that, but it keeps happening. Like we got that, we had the New 52 happen where everything got a little darker, a little grittier for a minute. Um, things were definitely out of place for a while. And then Rebirth came and Rebirth brought back that tone of hope, optimism, um, and then it just, it feels like DC knows what they want to do, but at the same time, they're like, okay, we kind of want to bring in everyone who doesn't want this. It's like, this is our message, but we need to bring in other people every once in a while. So they will swing back into that cynicism, cynicism, and, um, hmm. I'm sure they'll do it again at some point. Like infinite frontier seems again, built on that idea of hope and optimism, but I know within like the next 10 years, we'll get another swing down at some point because they have to, they have to stir up sales. And that's one of the things that does it. And I feel like they've just been milking this whole tonal shift that they do every once in a while for the last part of two decades. So I think it's interesting. I think that the editor in chief and all the editors at DC should be required to read Darwin Cook's new frontier every year. Oh yeah. Like mm -hmm. The first two weeks of January should be, all right, time for a cultural reset. Um, we're going to frame all of our stories around the tone of this book because mm -hmm. that is the single best DC comic ever published. And I will stand by that. Right. And say it's not to say that I don't think there's a place, there isn't a place for people like the elite or like the authority of DC comics because I think there is. Mm -hmm. I just don't think they should be like the flagship. I don't think that they should be helm you know guiding the way and i think we got a really interesting shift away from that in grant morrison's superman and the authority yes which very much feels like a spiritual successor to this book mm -hmm. a direct sequel almost which is curious because you read superman and the authority before you read um action comics 775 right yeah i met manchester black in yeah. superman and the authority so I'd be really curious after you go and revisit that, what you think of their interaction in that issue specifically after seeing what's happened here. Because they've met a few times since then. I don't think it's ever had the same gravitas as it's had in this story. But in Superman and the Authority, I think that's my favorite interaction between the two since this first comic came out. I think Superman and the Authority is a really special book, first and mm -hmm. foremost. I think that it should have been a little longer. Mm -hmm. oh yeah mm -hmm. i i do think that it it rushed through a bit of the the storytelling but yeah. the the themes were incredibly powerful and palpable in my opinion and i think choosing to carry over manchester black into that book is the key to the su success of that book oh yeah um, I always tell people when you're reading a Grant Morrison book, you have to find who Grant is, who Superman is, and who the bomb is. And um, 
Superman and the Authority is interesting, though, because Superman is Grant, but Manchester Black is also Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there isn't really a Superman in this other than hmm. the idealized who Grant wants to be in the future, right? That's curious. So would you say that, like, perhaps the team as a whole is Superman? Because that's the ideology manifested into physical form. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's that Grant Grant wants to think that they can be like Superman now. Mm-hmm. They look back on who they were in the early 2000s. Something really interesting that Grant Morrison has said is that all of their most popular and like subversive work that people like, stuff like mm-hmm. Doom Patrol, stuff like even Animal Man, was coming out when Grant feels that they were the worst version of themselves. <laughs> and right. that's kind of who they were writing Manchester Black as, was this this asshole that used mm. leftist ideas to shield the fact that they really were just an asshole. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. They don't have to have compassion. They don't have to be kind. They don't have to try and empathize with people that view things even remotely different than theirs because they have the moral high ground. They're smarter than everyone around them and they're armed with snark, right? And I think instead of where Action Comics 775 makes it, the elite kill and Superman doesn't, I think Superman the Authority makes it. Manchester Black is cynical and unkind Mm -hmm. and Superman is patient and kind. And I think that that is a pretty ringing indictment of the lesson from Action Comics 775 for the modern world, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. When you bump into someone from any place other than right next to you that doesn't agree with you are you going to be like manchester black who wants to spit piss and vinegar at them or are Mm -hmm. you going to be like superman and offer a hand to uplift you know and i think that's a lesson that's important for all of us uh, especially me i think i took a lot away from that book about what kind of person i Mm -hmm. want to be that's awesome it's 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 crazy that just like the impact that one single issue can have. And it's not even like it's a longer issue, but it's not like a mega sized issue. You know, this is only 30, I believe it's 39 pages or let's see. Is it even that I'm trying to pull up comiXology. ComiXology is not working. Yep. It's 39 pages. And that last page, by the way, one of my favorite pages of all time, something I can almost quote verbatim and actually a quote that I partially put on my graduation cap when I um, graduated from university. So this, this issue means a lot to me. I love that. What is it about this issue that you feel like rings out true for you? It's the, it's the core of who Superman is. It's I've always said like Aquaman's my favorite DC hero, but Superman's the best DC hero. And it's because mm-hmm. I think he embodies everything that I think makes their stories great. I think he embodies that hope, he embodies that optimism, and he embodies the best of what we can be. And I like the idea of a person who's so good that it doesn't matter that everyone's against him. It doesn't matter what everyone else is saying. He knows in his heart what's right, and he knows... Um, he knows what's wrong. More importantly, he knows what's wrong and he'll never stoop to that level. And I like that, you know, level of self-control, that level of self, um, will, that willpower to not stoop lower than, you know, (laughs) than, you know, you should. And gosh, I wish I could phrase it better because it's just, I'm staring at this last page still. It's just, it's a person who makes me think, in the darkest days that there is potential for us to be better than those dark days and for us to not give in to the darkness that's everywhere. It's just rising up to that level. It's, it's, it feels impossible. It feels like an impossible task sometimes because there are days that are harder than others. And there are days when you think that the worst people deserve the worst, even though you don't know like anything about them. And it's, it raises so many questions about how we treat, ourselves how we act in the society and it's just uh, it's enough to make 
you think for a lifetime, I think. It's will we ever get to that point where this is something that's possible, where we can care about the people that hurt us as much as we care about everyone else? And should we? Yeah. I obviously I bring my own worldview and baggage into this, right? Mm-hmm. But everyone does. I do agree with that sentiment. I agree with loving your enemy with being kind to those that hurt you, you know? I I think that's at the core of who Superman is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a little bit of what makes him special and what has made him last since his introduction in 1938. Mm-hmm. There aren't a lot of bits of fiction that have the staying power of Superman, you mm-hmm. know? And I think it's because he represents something very real and tangible. I... With my background in ancient Near Eastern studies, I've read a lot of the world's myths and a lot of the world's legends, and I can't help but feel like Superman is going to be the myth that survives from the 20th century. You know, I've Mm -hmm. read about Gilgamesh. I've read about Moses. I've read about (laughs) Osiris. I think people a thousand years from now will read about Superman. And they'll see that he was the ideal for our slice of mm-hmm. 200 years, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I would love if they read this story. I would love if they got to see this version of Superman because I think it it shows that there's a lot of hope that comes out of the 20th century and the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Right. And I like that stuff like that's, you know, literally embedded in dc lore like that's every that's all that the legion of superheroes is about about this legacy about that hope and that's why i'm very excited for when we eventually get to cover the legion because i know you are very very green when it comes to the legion so i'm very excited to see how you handle that and how you react to that i don't know anything about those little space gays but i'm sure they're great (laughs) exactly I can't. I'm I'm very excited. But we could talk about like, you know, just the the themes of Superman and his his morality all day long. What I want to switch over to now just to give a just um a different spin on it cuz we talked about the we watched the movie and we read the comic. So what did you think about the movie adaptation? I I think this is my first DC animated movie. Really? Question, question mark. I've watched a lot of their shows. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I ever sat down to watch a movie before. That might be a lie, but <laughs> Dallas, I've never watched a movie in my life. I Dallas has never watched a movie in his life. That beside the point, have you seen Last Night in Soho yet? No, I haven't. But is it good? It is a nine out of ten movie that mm-hmm. has like the ten of the last twenty minutes are pretty muddy and so i think a lot of people leave the movie with a bad taste in their mouth forgetting Mm. that the movie was so good leading up to that got it it's yeah that's always hard when it like stumbles at the finish line and you're like oh because that's the last thing you remember because everything else happened long ago i do think though with the themes from from hell in our mind Mm -hmm. from last week that movie is even more interesting Got it. I will get out to check it out very soon. I got my regal pass back, so I'm going to be seeing some more movies. Not this week, though, because I'm swamped, but (laughs) after that. Someday you could be as cultured as me. Anyway, um, moving forward back into superheroes, I loved this animated movie. Mm -hmm. I thought that it was really sweet. The art style took me a a minute to get adjusted to. You didn't like Big Head Superman? I did not like... (laughs) Big jaw, tiny top of head Superman. And Manchester's Black's lips really were throwing me. I was like, oh. I was like, maybe all those 15% do mm-hmm. mean something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought the pacing of this story with them having an hour and 15 minutes to tell it instead of 39 pages, they mm-hmm. allowed for you to kind of start to like the elite as well. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. They they made them charming. They made them fun. They made it convincing why the world, especially the world of like 2012, mm-hmm. why they would like the message that the elite bring. 
and so it made it all the more triumphant to see that Superman is the right way. Right. And I'm glad you brought those up because those are like exactly the points I was thinking of when I was talking about how I thought the movie actually did some things better than the book. I really liked that the elite felt like characters here because in the book we get a lot of Manchester Black, but like Menagerie, Cold, um, Cold Cast and um, The Hat really get a lot to do. They just kind of exist. I'm not even sure if Menagerie has more than like a couple lines in the in the book but she does get some pretty funny moments with superman in the movie which was really nice and getting to see more of how they interact with each other and i liked in the movie that they actually kind of start on the same team because they you know they're doing the same thing they both want to be heroes it's just the elite has a very different way of handling things once everything's done said and done you know Mm -hmm. but i also enjoy that this actually gave us a bigger perspective on the world because we have the scene in action comics where superman's just kind of flying by and like slowly eavesdropping on people which must have been weird like if you look up and you see superman like doing a slow drive-by just listening to a conversation (laughs) that would have to be the strangest thing but i like that we got the um the other characters in the movie who gave us that perspective i liked the the tragedy of that kid and his father especially that was Mm -hmm. that really hit and it's it's so easy to see, like, when you're you're the victim of stuff like this, it's so easy to fall straight into vengeance. Because that's, that's the first thing you want, is you just want vengeance, and it's so easy to confuse vengeance with justice. And it's easy to see how anger leads to the rationale that the guilty need to be punished to the extreme for whatever crime. And I thought that was really interesting to see and really well fleshed out in the movie i'm glad they threw in the atomic skull um subplot for that reason and i think they even could have done things better with that like i would have liked to have seen more of like him and maybe perhaps like i don't know because superman's like he wants to keep skull alive maybe if we'd seen like him offering skull a better chance at like redemption or rehabilitation than just throwing him in jail to be used as a power source then I think Superman's argument might have even had more weight than it already did. And I think that would have benefited the story, but I don't think it didn't work. You know, I think it worked just fine. I I honestly think a little bit of the grayness of that makes it more interesting to me because really? I really like the line from Manchester Black when Superman's like, you can't just kill people and call yourself a hero. And Manchester Black says, that's what your government's been doing for years. Yep. Like that yep. line wrong really true for me and it made me ask questions like does idealism have a place in a world of gray morality you know because it's easy to look at manchester black and say well we shouldn't kill the bad guys that's pretty easy but if saving the bad guys is just then them going and being a power source in prison like do you have a moral high ground there Mm -hmm. or are there are there different ways that you need to push even against the norms, you know, like Superman is such an ideal that he has to push against the normal as well, not just the negative inverse of himself. That's actually such a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. That's yeah. And I wish that since they touched on that more in the movie than the book, I wish the ending might've touched on it a little bit better, but the ending for what it's worth basically plays out part for part exactly like the ending of the comic except for one scene and that's um the one moment of controversy i told you about that people have with this movie yeah fill me in it's that um in the book when superman like says i gave you the laser like lobotomy he clarifies laser later that it was just a psychic like um punch or whatever and he's like your powers will be back eventually he doesn't clarify that in the movie he just says that he definitely did cut like he's like I did the um, instant lobotomy and he smacks Manchester around, but he never clarifies that it wasn't permanent. Interesting. And, I didn't even, I didn't even notice. Yeah, I didn't either. Like when people are like the ending totally ruins the book though. I'm like, how the ending is the exact same as the book. And they're like, well, it's this one little line that wasn't in there. I'm like, well, you could just interpret that it was everything else he had set up to that point was a lie. Why would that not be as well? But also there's the line about like they were stripping them of their powers which could have been to the fact that maybe he actually did cut out Manchester Black's powers, but 
the the movie handled that differently. I don't think the movie handled it poorly, but I do understand like people were like, I needed it to, sh- I needed to show me this for it to, to you know, count because it feels a little weird when they don't. I understand it. I don't see it from the same perspective though. Yeah, it feels a little bit like splitting hairs to me. But... I think so, but. I don't know. I've been pretty pedantic about other things. So have you? I Who haven't noticed. I? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I like I like the story. Do you not to bring it back to Grant Morrison land, but <laughs> do you feel like Superman and the Authority is a good sequel to this comic? Oh yes. Mm-hmm. I think that first issue, especially, like I said, that's my first that's my favorite interaction the two have had have had since this issue what i need to do is like and i should have done this immediately after reading the issue yesterday is i should have jumped straight into the superman the authority number one and seen just how they comment on each other because i know it's in there because this this feels very much like a grant morrison story there's a lot of grant morrison isms in this story i um (laughs) i think i i hit that first moment when the superman's flying to the other countries also, I like in the movie, we got more of that conflict and we got to see yes. that expanded a little bit more. Um, I like, The first thing we see in the comic is this giant gorilla, like the size of Godzilla, dead on the ground, holding a giant machine gun. It's perfect. Like, this, this feels like it came from a Grant Morrison book. This is that type of nonsense. Monkey with it. a gun is never not the right choice. <laughs> okay, Fair. The second you can put a gun in a monkey's hand in a comic book and you then choose not to, you have made a mistake. Have you seen the Hit Monkey trailer? I have not seen the Hit Monkey trailer. Is it a monkey with a gun? It is a monkey with a gun. It's a new um, animated Marvel show coming out. You should probably Google it. Now that is something that I like. (laughs) I'm glad I can bring something to you on the show. Yeah, exactly. You thank me later. I just, I never, I don't think I'll ever laugh as hard at a comic as I did when in Hellboy, this chimpanzee mm-hmm. pulls out a pistol and Hellboy goes, the monkey's <laughs> got a gun. Yes. Oh my God. It's either that or the moment where Hellboy um, eats pancakes for the first time. Oh. And just in hell, they're like, he's eaten the pancake. And then he's like, he's truly lost to us. It's so dramatic <laughs> over a fucking pancake. I we gotta read some Hellboy short stories on we here will. soon. I we'll love make that, Rama man. happy eventually. I love Hellboy. <laughs> uh, but returning returning to Superman, yes. I think there is maybe we'll get into some listener questions soon because one of them deals with this, but there does seem to be a little bit of a desire. Mm-hmm to be a harder edged leftist right now, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, yeah, there's a lot of anger in the air. There's a lot of, we're sick of being stepped on and people don't want that anymore. You know, there's a, oh, sort, yeah. there's a sort of like, I'm sick of laying down and just taking this. I want to be loud. I want to be heard. And mm-hmm. I think that's a natural instinct, right? And I I do think there's something to that. I think Superman and the Authority addresses that, where Mm -hmm. Superman versus the Elite is saying, like, kindness, empathy, and patience will always beat, um, like, righteous fervor, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas I think Superman and the Authority says you can change the world and say it's wrong and push back, Mm -hmm. but with the principles taught by superman that's interesting do you think that like the um action comics um 775 has a more neutral political bias where it could be applied to either side or because it definitely feels like superman and the authority has one commenting more on like leftism as a whole but i feel like does superman and the superman versus the elite does that have more of like it could apply to anyone in your eyes or is it still talking about leftism i think it it's talking about the human condition a little bit okay. more honestly i think grant had some things to say about leftism i think joe kelly had some things to say about just like human nature 
Yeah, which is kind of funny because you figure the other way since this one has such a almost political um, title with what's so funny about truth, justice, and the American way. And we don't really talk about the American way in there at all. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, that was a snappy <laughs> title. You're right, but <laughs> that doesn't say much. Um, yeah, I don't know. I If someone could answer all the right things in a comic book, they wouldn't be very compelling questions, right? Yeah, because we'd have the answers. But I do think that both Action Comics 775, Superman versus the Elite, and Superman the Authority all approach this central question from a similar place and it's a question worth asking yourself oh right? yeah like mm-hmm. when do the ends justify the means when are people no longer deserving of your love and empathy and is it possible to radically change the world without violence and hatred you know and i think that's a question mm-hmm. that everybody has to come to on their own and Joe Kelly and Grant Morrison and Superman all seem to say you can radically change the world through kindness and empathy and good. And I think I like to cling to that message a bit myself. I do as well. <sighs> good comic, <sighs> Anne. Good comic. Good, com- good comic, good movie, too. Can I tell you that whenever I read Superman, George Newbern is the voice I hear in my head? Really? That's interesting. Yeah, with without question i'm and it's because of this movie it's specifically because of this movie because he is just on point he does do a great superman i off mic i shouted out lois lane from this movie i got a shout her out on mic this was the most fun lois lane i think in anything i've read or watched frankly really i Love was like that. i like this lady she's spicy <laughs> that's a spicy meatball oh I love the moment where he, she makes that comment about being Martian Manhunter and Clark's just like, and there go all my fantasies. Exactly. I thought, I don't that, know, I liked that they were playful. I did too. Oh, anyways. Right. Should we do, do some you want to get on to the questions? Yes. Yeah. All right. So Cole from Critical Rants writes and asks, hi friends. Hope you're all doing well. My question is as follows. This is one of Superman's most iconic stories, despite it being only one Mm -hmm. single issue. Are there any other single issues or just generally shorter stories that come to mind that are equally as iconic for Superman or for other superheroes? Best, Cole. Say, that's funny, because I was thinking about this last night, and it's hard to find stories that are single, standalone stories that stand even close to the level of this one. Like, I can think of issues that are very... Um, very good for the character that sum up the character very well like I think that Aquaman number 13 from the New 52 run where he's fighting on Manta for the last time in that arc where I think that is a great Aquaman issue where it sums up who he is to his core the scene between him and Mera and him talking about Aquaman being just a costume and Mera saying put it on anyway I think that's one of the best moments in his history especially when she hugs him and says, don't be like other people. Don't undervalue who Aquaman truly is. I think there's great moments like that. But as far as like story starts and stops in this issue, I could only think of a handful. And one of them is the anatomy lesson from Swamp Thing. Cause I thought that yes. was a pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Bringing Alan Moore again. We, <laughs> I just feel like a broken record. We talk about the same three authors on the show and no one else. I think that's a a pretty good summation of who Swamp Thing is and just the the innate body horror and terror that his character invokes. And for Superman, I definitely think that Superman has a couple of other issues that stand as tall as this one, if not potentially taller, because (laughs) I'm doing it again. Alan Moore um, for the man who has everything. That issue is also a standalone, starts and stops in the same issue, Superman annual number one or two. Either either way, it's for the man who has everything. That's also a perfect standalone Superman issue. Fine, I'll read my Alan Moore Superman hardcover today. I'll do it, <laughs> if you insist. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, you stole my Superman answer. I actually think... Oh, did I? Yeah. I'm sorry. Hmm. 
Uh, well, I mean, it wasn't a huge mystery. Dallas might pick the Alan Moore Superman story. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think a character that is strangely very suited, not necessarily to one issue, but two issue stories is Spider-Man. I can mm-hmm. think of a lot of two issue, very good Spider-Man stories. There's nothing can stop the juggernaut. There mm-hmm. is, uh, Nobody dies. There is, oh, I can't remember the name right now, but in during the brand new day era where S- Spider-Man saves everybody on the subway while it's flooding and has to fight the shocker. That's a two issue story. That's really good. Um, I definitely think it's an art to be able to tell a one issue story. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, I think that's why I'm such a sucker for something like, uh, Ice Cream Man, the image comic. <laughs> Shout out to Evan, for who gets paid two cents every time someone says Ice Cream Man. <laughs> um, but I, I love the idea of a contained 24 to 40 page story in a comic book, right? Oh, yeah. Ooh, yo, no, actually, I know what I <laughs> what I love. Um, 2019's, I guess, Rebirth Batman. I think it's annual number two. By Otto Schmidt and Tom Taylor about oh, yes. Alfred mm-hmm. for Father's Day. Yep. That is a perfect single issue story. <laughs> there you go. That's that's my answer. Is, is it the perfect single issue for Alfred or for Batman? I don't care about Batman. <laughs> I punched that little orphan. Raphael, this is where my parents died. <laughs> Cow a bummer. Cow a bummer, dude. <laughs> Honestly, like I would die for the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh, next week. Next week, we <laughs> have a cow get... bummer. <laughs> you have a week to love him. Oh, no. Oh. I hope I don't already read so much Batman. <laughs> Honestly, oh, no. this year, I, for whatever reason, from hell felt like a watershed moment for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I was like, this seems like what we're building to. And now, for whatever reason, this is like season two in my brain. Oh, we can work. We can work with that. <laughs> and in season two is when all the secrets come out. It's when people find out that Anne and Dallas both actually like Batman. They both actually <laughs> like Tom King. <gasps> How dare and, you? <laughs> oh, oh, he said it out loud. <laughs> he said it. And frankly, we aren't a good authority on anything comic booking. So no, no. Be prepared. There are smarter um, people than us. Certainly. All right. Next question. Junie Mauricio says, question for Action Comics 775 episode. Solid title. Hello, Comics Collective crew. Hope you're all doing well. First, I want to thank you all for giving me incentive to reread Action Comics 775 and to read Far Sector for your upcoming show. This book club vibe the show has always makes me want to read the books beforehand. We love that. We hope everyone else feels that way, too. Comics are great. Oh, yeah. Um, Now I have two questions for you all. Given Manchester Black is the, always the main spokesperson for the elite whenever they're brought up, which member of the elite you all wish could be fleshed out more? And then two, which hero or team of the DC Universe would you like to see said member to team up with? Hmm. I'll go first go because I don't want you to steal my answer. Um, I really like the hat. I thought he okay. was cool. Mm-hmm. And I especially liked him in the movie. Where I was like, oh, he has a personality and his power is still cool. But I would love to see him on the Justice League Dark. I think that the Justice League Dark is a very interesting team. And I would like to see someone that is a little bit more just morally gray. Because I think mm-hmm. John Constantine used to be that. But I kind of think since the New 52, John Constantine's become just like a good guy. Yeah. Wait, hold up, hold up. Are you saying Constantine? I'm going to flip my shit. T-hard-I-N-E. That's how Cy Spurrier says it. And Cy Spurrier is my authority on that. I'm going to scream. Constantine. It's like, like, you don't call it a Clementine. It's a Clementine. (laughs) Oh, now I want to watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. (laughs) John Clementine. Um, it's one of my favorite heroes in fiction that people have made too heroic. So mm-hmm. 
I think the hat could bring a lot to the Justice League Dark. That would be great. I think um, I almost want to say cold cast, but we did get a little bit more of him in Superman, the authority. And actually there's um, this continues a little bit because we get a Justice League elite where a lot of these characters come back and the plot from the movie that involves Manchester Black sister actually takes off there as well. I believe I did a little bit of research this morning. I haven't read the series myself. But um, I have, honestly didn't hear that many great things about it, so I'm like, I, I'll, I'll be okay. I'll pass. I'm, I'm sure I'll get around to it eventually. But we will scrape the bottom of the barrel eventually, <laughs> folks. I'm g- <laughs> the bottom of the barrel will be reached once we get through all the good stuff. I think Menagerie could do a lot, and I would love to see her. We don't see them often, but I would love to see like um Shade come back and have her be like an agent of Shade with Frankenstein. That would be fun. <gasps> that would be very fun. That was one thing I loved from the beginning of the new 52 mm-hmm. was Frankenstein's strange prominence. Oh, yeah. That was that great. Ruled. His, I don't care what anyone says, that Agents of Shade book was actually a lot of fun. Uh, I honestly don't think I've read it. I just, I liked when Frankenstein showed up in Tomasi's Batman and Robin. That was also fun. The only lens I have for the DC universe is Batman. If someone has appeared in a Batman book, then I've probably heard of them. <laughs> she she just did me. <laughs> all right. Um, we do have an email from Glenn, but mm-hmm. uh, it's for all three of us. And I think I'm just going to send it to the group chat because it's just a very nice note from Glenn to us at the Comics Collective. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel very warm and fuzzy. And I kind of want to keep it special to us. But thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Glenn. Love you. You are the coolest. All right. A uh, quick round of Twitter questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Superior Dan asks, do you think the message of the story still holds up? And do you think that the overall critique the book levies at darker superheroes sh- who kill is still relevant? Yes, I think we covered it a little bit. I, I definitely still do. As long as we're still having these arguments within the community, like every five minutes, I think it's a relevant book. I agree. And I think superheroes should be aspirational. I'm mm-hmm. not a big fan of superheroes that reflect the darker underbelly of right. mm-hmm. humanity. Like what's the point of reading that? I can go outside and see that. Yeah. That's just my two cents. So I very much like this book. Um, some call me or Sean Mick L three, five, nine, two, six, eight, eight, three says that is a, a string of numbers. I hope it has significance. Um, <laughs> You think the character design of Coldcast is racist because the fact he wears nothing but chains always made me super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Say, I don't think I'm the best authority for it, but it. I definitely saw a lot of people calling that out yesterday. And yeah, I can definitely see how that would be, you know, very, very um, uncomfortable. Yeah, I, that's, I hadn't thought about it before, but it definitely going back and reading it again makes me uncomfortable. So, yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it much until I saw this question either, but mm-hmm. you're probably onto something. Sean McGill. Um, Adam talking Superman asks favorite elite member besides Manchester black. So we talked about who we want to see more of, but do mm-hmm. we have a favorite? I think my favorite is cold cast. He's a homie. He is. I liked him in the movie too. I do too. I like um, Menagerie, honestly, especially in the movie. I thought she had a pretty fun personality and I thought her power was very cool. I actually thought that um, out of all of them, Hat had the coolest powers. I love that. He did have a pretty slick power set. Honestly, the movie made the elite so much better. I read the comic and I was like, man, Manchester Black is interesting. What were the rest of those guys up to? And the movie made me care about them. I was reading through it. I'm like, wait, did they say Menagerie's name at all? (laughs) Hold up. I certainly, before watching the movie, I could not have answered any of their names. (laughs) Good job, movie. Doing what an adaptation should do. I think there's a place to talk a little bit. I'm going to put us on a little soapbox for a second. I want more adaptations to add things. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or to be unique and different enough to validate both of them existing. 
I know maybe I'm just grumpy, but I don't have a lot of desire or the time to go and interact with adaptations that are just one for one. Or even if they're not one for one, like don't add anything thematically, don't change things enough to make it a unique piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you'll ever see me be someone at this point that's upset about comics accuracy. Uh-huh. I think I like the if the core of the character is intact, I don't really care that you follow a plot line that I already know before because I want to be surprised. I think that's why something like The Boys has been one of my favorite superhero shows because I've never read The Boys. I don't plan to read The Boys. I've heard it's icky. (laughs) So watching that show, I get that story for the first time. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm increasingly with the MCU feeling frustrated that I'm like, oh, I've just read the story, but better somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know? Definitely feel that. And so I think something like Superman versus the Elite is so cool because it takes a great story and it makes it bigger and better. And so I enjoy reading both, you know, because I think the comic, it has some more touching soliloquies from Superman that I really like. It's really dialogue heavy. Whereas the movie, it seems to have more characterization and more perspectives looking in on this idea than just Superman moralizing about it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And both of those are takes on this story that I want to continue to interact with. And that's what I love from adaptation. Perfectly put. All right. Um, Flying Rodent or Grim Loki 25 writes, would you want characters like Vera Black and Hat to appear more in Superman titles? Yes to both. Um, You should, when you have a moment, Google Vera Black because she's a lot different in the comics than she is in this movie. In the movie, she shows up like two seconds to say, hey, Manchester's full of shit. I'm still alive. And then disappears in the comics she's actually like a superhero and it's it's really interesting i just thought it was cool that she came out of the matrix for this movie you know (laughs) so so good of her i mean yeah if the story's good i'd literally i don't feel like i have much attachment to characters outside of superman and spider-man anyone Mm -hmm. else i'm like if they book is good i will read it i think exactly spider-man is the only character that if his book is bad i will still read it and uh I'm working through that. I don't want to be that way. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get the help you need eventually. Yeah, exactly. The amazing Spider-Man anonymous. But frankly, you could come up to me and be like this, this guy Fleeb here. He's got a great 12 issue maxi series coming out soon. And I'd be Mm -hmm. like, oh, Fleeb, my boy. I I missed Fleeb. (laughs) Fleeb, my boy. Fleeb did get a good story. It's called Kieran Gillen and Asad Ribic's Eternals. Read that book. It's so good. I'm glad you're loving it. All right. And the final question from Wirecats is here is, so if Manchester Black is the radical leftist, does that make Superman a centrist liberal? I'm leaving this to you. You know politics. You you do the, you do the, do the big words. Frankly, I just think Manchester Black is an asshole and Superman <laughs> isn't. That's the extent of the politics in this book. You have asshole versus not. Whoever those are, assign them yourselves. I also just I think it's pedantic to try and assign uh, political views to superheroes that are written by many different authors, mm-hmm. right? I think some of the magic of this book is that, and what causes it to not age, is that Joe Kelly says these are ideals we strive for. Mm-hmm. Whichever political party holds those ideals at any given moment shifts and changes. And I think that so rather than asking, like, is this radical left or centrist left and therefore can I identify with it? It should be, is this the kind of person I want to be? And I need to find people that agree with that, you know? Exactly. A label mm-hmm. should follow. I don't really think we need those labels in general. I think they create tribalism, but... I think you should seek to surround yourself with people that agree with your views and act the way that you want to act instead of trying to fit yourself into a political movement. Bingo. That's my two cents on that. Um, So yeah, I final say the political parties of Manchester and Superman are asshole and not asshole. Frankly, those are the, that's the two-party system in America, and uh, it doesn't follow any left-right line, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and 
non-gender conforming <laughs> listeners. Love ya. Um, should we do our 10 books? Um, if you want. I don't have that many this week, actually. <sighs> Softy. All right. <laughs> I... I want to shout out a couple. We don't necessarily have to do 10, but if there are any yeah. you're really excited about, let's shout mm-hmm. them out. I have one big one this week. All right. What is that? The big one this week is going to be Dark Knights of Steel number one. It's going to be so already, already checked it out, and the twist at the end is going to have a lot of people talking. It's set up something very, very unique. It's going to be a very unique perspective on the Batman-Superman relationship especially. So, yeah, you're going to want to, you're going to, want to see this. I hope they kiss. Uh, I'll tell you after the show. Oh, well. <laughs> um, Swamp Thing number nine. I just got all caught up on Swamp Thing this week. And Rom V is writing the best Swamp Thing story since Alan Moore. So that's some high praise. I mean it. I, I have never read a Swamp Thing that I was like, that was as good as Alan Moore. And it's made me grumpy because that Alan Moore Swamp Thing is one of my favorite comics ever. Yeah. And this run by Rom V, I'm like, oh, you did it. You did it, Rom V. Just out of curiosity, what do you think about the um the Snyder stuff? I I it did it wasn't as like esoteric. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was a little bit more in the Jeff Johns realm of mm. just like he's a big green swamp superhero instead of like he is God. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I feel it. That's how I feel about that. Okay. Just curious. Um, let's see. Some other things I absolutely think you should read. Uh, mm-hmm. The Good Asian, number six. If you haven't gotten caught up on The Good Asian, it mm-hmm. is a very, very fun noir detective story. Um, my big release for the week, though, is The Human Target, number one. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see... A new Tom King book. I got caught up on his Supergirl this last week, mm-hmm. and that was really great. I don't know. I just I got bit by the Tom King bug again, so I'm very excited about the Human Target. Happens. We should smash that bug. Uh, no, I like the bug. You're gonna get us canceled. You're gonna get us canceled. On <laughs> I know, I'm just I'm just gonna edit this out. <laughs> so, a nice little um, flip. So just you know. Yeah. The other ones I'm going to recommend, I'm going to say Batman, Superman, the Authority Special, because I love this Authority team. I want to see more of them. And I'm also going to say Crush and Lobo number six, because I have to keep plugging this awesome, awesome mini. I'm loving it very, very much. Excellent. And my final recommendation for you all is The Me You Love in the Dark number four. Mm-hmm. I think this is the spoopiest book coming out right now, and I absolutely adore it. That is all from Dallas this week. Oh, actually, there's one more I want to plug, and it's A Thing Called Truth Number One, and it's described as a chaotic LGBTQ plus road trip. And this is from, I'm going to, if I try their name, I'm going to butcher it, Iolanda Zanferdino. And um, they reached out to me a while ago on Twitter to read through their other book, um, Alice in Leatherland, and I adored it, and it was so perfectly queer and if this is anything like that you're gonna everyone out there is gonna love it so definitely make sure you check this out issue number one perfect jumping on point gay romance what's what's more to love so what's more to love (laughs) what's so funny about truth justice and gay romance exactly (laughs) that should be the title if we titled our episodes i would make it truth justice and gay romance that would be the title of this episode possible new podcast name who knows people think we talk about manchester and superman as a ship or something i muted the word ship on twitter like six months ago and it was the best decision i've ever made do you know peace now do you know my mute list is eons long i've got the whole torah in there (laughs) oh I've muted, I, I see like four tweets. My whole feed is just, this thing has a, a muted word. And so I just get to choose whether I see it or not. <laughs> Peak Twitter experience. Love that. I need to follow your lead. <laughs> it's the only way. It is right. the way. That is all I've got for this week. This comic was phenomenal. The movie was great. And I'm very glad you made me read it. I'm glad. I think this was the perfect just palate cleanser after 
from hell, which I've spent all week trying to recover from. <laughs> when, when you have to binge 250 pages of that book, you do take a moment and say, okay, no more comics this week. I'm going to take a break. Anne took a step back and she's like, did I just become a misogynist? <laughs> <laughs> when you read in From Hell and Mr. Gold's starting to make some solid points. <laughs> I'm going to cancel you myself. Do it, you coward. <laughs> this podcast ever comes out. I'm <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, what, what do we say? We've skipped the intro two weeks in a row. Have you noticed? I have. That's okay. People aren't going to know who we are. We're the Comics Collective, baby. I'm Lexi. <laughs> I'm Anne. <laughs> Fuck Dallas. <laughs> and we hate that guy. <laughs> okay, if you like the show and want to hear more from us through the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective, or you can find each of us at Dallas underscore comics, at Anne Comics, and at Lexi Taylor one underscore one two three. If you like the show, please go on over to Apple Podcasts. Podcast, nice. I don't know where that accent just Pad-cast. came from. Podcasts. I became Carol Danvers for a minute. Oh, shut up! I swear to God. <laughs> go on it's over been to two weeks to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you may be listening, and leave us a five star review. It really does help it the ever changing algorithm show us to individuals like you who might like comic books or better yet word of mouth tell your friends about us praise us somewhere where we can see feed our sweet dying little egos (laughs) and if you do leave us a five-star review we will read it off on the show next week when you obviously leave us one you little sweetie listening (laughs) silly goose oh we will see you next week Oh, finally. Sorry, I skipped one. <laughs> this is the one I actually I'm actually reading Lexi's now. I'm trying to be her. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. We will see you next week for our big old Batman crossover with the Geek Explained podcast. What? Next week, you can tune in right here to hear Eric from the Geek Explained podcast come and talk about Batman Zero Year. And then you can tune into his show, Geek Explained, to hear all of us Wu-Tang style hop over and appear to talk about Batman Super Heavy. So if you have wanted to hear us talk about Batman and you have been here for 30 plus episodes... Like, they're talking about lock and key again. If I have to have one more Saga episode before Batman, I'm going to snap. It's Batman time, baby. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get through it somehow. It's somehow. okay. Uh, through gritted teeth, we'll read these <laughs> comics that we like. I I think the biggest lie the devil, the devil ever pulled was convincing people I hate Batman. <laughs> it is a good brand. It's a good brand. It's a good brand. It's kind of like me pretending I can read. It's a good brand. <laughs> Okay, that's it. We got to go. Bye. (laughs) Bye.